0: Hello baseball fans and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and today's it's the last day of February 2017. It's February 28th, so there's not going to be a leap year this year. We had a leap year last year because, you know, God forbid 2016 be one day shorter. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from a Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. I had a, I have a job outside of the Sully Baseball Daily podcast. the The Empire that is the Sully Baseball Daily podcast has not allowed me to have uh, to make the 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 wealth that I deserve from doing a a daily baseball podcast for what is approaching 1,600 straight days. It's going to be a couple weeks from now that I'm going to be doing episode 1600. Uh, By the way, if you have anything you want me to talk about uh, on the Sunday request or anything, just shoot me. I have some good ones coming up. But, you know, just shoot me a tweet at Sully Baseball and I'll do a Sunday request. And if I have, I'm doing my series on the teams that should have won, that would have been the best championship year for certain franchises, for every franchise, and I've already done the 78 Red Sox. I have the next one recorded for this upcoming week. Uh, let me know what your team, the, the year that you felt got away, that it would have been the greatest collection of champions, would have been the greatest collection of players on it. Let, let me know. Send me, send me a tweet at Sully Baseball and let me know what you think about that. Um, but I do, have a, I do have a job outside of Sully Baseball, And I had an interesting thing happen to me at my job. Uh, I'm a video producer. I make videos. And I make videos for a high-tech company uh, here in Silicon Valley. And when I was shooting one of them, uh, I was talking to my DP. That's the director of photography, the person who's in charge of the shooting of the video. He's in charge of lighting it, in charge of the cameras and everything like that. And he told me that he was... Involved in a shoot, um, maybe last year or the year before, with Steph Curry. And, you know, the biggest star in the NBA right now. And the director of photography is a guy from Santa Cruz. He's a very talented dude, and he's, he's a guy from Santa Cruz. He grew up, you know, not really following sports. And he was more of a surfer guy and a bicycling and skateboarding guy. And he did the whole shoot, and he had no clue who Steph Curry was. None. It didn't enter his his radar. And the idea that he just treated him like a, a normal guy, he says, oh, he's a nice guy and everything like that, and then everyone told him, oh, he's a basketball player, one of the biggest stars in the world. Now, I, I kind of was floored when I heard that, because Steph Curry, first of all, he's, as the biggest basketball star in the world right now. You might say LeBron James may be more famous, but LeBron, you know, St- Steph Curry's right there. If there is a athlete with crossover power to be the biggest star in, you know, that that would sort of penetrate the public consciousness, you would think it would be Steph Curry. I don't think I'm going out of line today. That should be someone who... Is that kind of star that you know, would walk down the street would recognize would be that huge superstar. And this is a guy who is, you know, he's maybe ten years younger than me. You know, he's in his 30s, you know, youngish guy, living, I mean, he lives in Santa Cruz. And the Warriors actually have a development league team in Santa Cruz. It's the local team. And the local team has the biggest star in the world. And you could be someone who is, you know, active and part of the world and inter- interacting with other people and still not interact with the biggest star in the world in basketball. And I thought of that, and I also thought of, like, the the, the Grammys were on uh, a few weeks ago. And most of the people on there are people I... I'd, Maybe you've heard the name, but I can't tell you they their songs. I mean, Lady Gaga, okay, I know maybe one or two songs that she sings, but like, I, I don't know who the big stars are. I don't. And then that completely doesn't enter my radar. And what I, that got me thinking about Mike Trout because there's an element of frustration that I have towards baseball in terms of, and I've always had this towards baseball, in terms of how they market their stars. Now, I think that this could directly be linked to the late 80s, early 90s, when the NBA became the greatest at marketing their stars. And you saw the likes of Michael Jordan, obviously was the king, but you had you know, Charles Barkley, you had Scottie Pippen, you had Patrick Ewing, you had... Players, you know, up and down, Hakeem Olajuwon, it became a star-driven league. You know, Stockton and Malone, these were all household names and household faces, and people knew who the hell they were. And I think that's because the NBA understood that. They were understood to market their stars, that that's what was going to drive people to go and see in the games. It was basically constantly trying to replicate bird and magic and at that same time baseball had a sense of antagonism with the players association which led to this horrible strike and they had wonderful stars too but they just they they would not market them Ken Griffey Jr should have been one of the biggest names in the country Kirby Puckett should have been one of the biggest names in the country I mean there were like players Barry Bonds should have been one of the biggest names in the country Greg Maddox should have been. I mean, these should have been huge stars. And they didn't market them. They didn't put them out there. And so they, you know, for baseball fans, we knew who they were. But outside the world of baseball, Ken Griffey Jr. would kind of get a shrug. And I think there's still a little bit of a remnant of that. Even though the owners of the Players Association haven't had a a hullabaloo for a generation, yeah, there's still a sense of the biggest stars in baseball— are not known to people outside of the realm of baseball. I mean, you if you're listening to this podcast, you're a baseball fan, so you know who the hell Mike Trout is. You know who the hell Miguel Cabrera is. You know who the hell Justin Verlander is. You know who the hell Clayton Kershaw is. You know who these people are. You know, there's no mystery to that. But outside of it, you know, Mike Trout could walk into any place other than a Subway sandwich place. And I think most people would not know who the hell he is. And there's a sense of frustration that I've always had because I want to have baseball be universal. I want to have baseball stars be the biggest stars in the world. But then I started thinking about the director of photography who didn't know who Steph Curry was. Perhaps, as I'm constantly, constantly trying to have dissuade us from the clutches and the trappings of nostalgia, that that is me being nostalgic for a time where there were crossover celebrities that meant something to everybody. Maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe that's not the case that there's music that everyone listens to, that there are movies that everyone sees, that there are TV shows that everybody watches, and that there are athletes that mean something to everybody. Maybe that is something... That is a remnant of the past, and wanting to have that is harking. It's the proverbial, you know, dinosaur barking at a comet. That you know you're an old thing wanting something that you have no control over, and in the end doesn't really affect you. So maybe Mike Trout will never be a universally known player because our culture, our sports culture, our entertainment culture has become so. You know, fractured and fractionalized, and marked. You know, and and individual, and that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it makes the quality of the product, whether it's the music or the music or the movies or the sports or whatever it is you follow, you you're not trying to please everyone, so you can make good quality a good quality product. But maybe there is a frustration of like, oh, I wish, me. You know, why isn't Mike Trout known by everybody? Because they, maybe he'll never be. Maybe that concept is gone. Maybe that's something if, if we're making it so everything is individualized. Look at, the, look at where your screens are on your devices, on your phone, on your, on, your, on your laptop, whatever it is. You can arrange it to completely cater to what you want. You can have your news feed be from the sources you want, about topics you want. You can arrange it so you get alerts about things that you want. You know, mine is gives me alerts on baseball stuff and everything, and people in the culture of, of music and movies I, I'm, and, and football could just sort of zoom right past me, and I'll never know. You know, football is still the biggest sport in the country, and I think I can name maybe eight NFL players right now because it doesn't enter my radar so maybe the notion of a crossover star you know the few times it happens now okay terrific but you know maybe that's just something that doesn't happen anymore you know if you follow if you looked at my Twitter feed and my Facebook feed and and things that I follow and and, and, you know news alerts and everything like that you know baseball is king and you would think that the the ins and outs of the San Diego Padres would be a big piece of news for a lot of people if you just followed what I followed. And so, you know, the idea of Mike Trout not being a bigger star for people outside of baseball, well, maybe he won't be. And maybe there won't be gigantic crossover because maybe that's based upon a homogenized culture. Everyone turned on the show, TV and watched the same damn thing. We all watched Happy Days. We all watched the Brady Bunch. We all watched, you know, Monday Night Football was the football game that everyone watched because it was the only one that was on. You know, when The Wizard of Oz was on once a year, we all watched it. When The Sound of Music was on once a year, we all watched it. You know, when the Charlie Brown Christmas was on once a year, we all sat down and watched it. There's something to be said about that. There's something good about that. But at the same time, now we have, hey, I want to watch something now and have it be something really good and something that caters specifically to me and what I love. And maybe Mike Trout won't ever be the kind of player who is known and beloved all around the world, but for the people who love baseball, they'll get him and he'll be their player that they they cling to. An interesting thing is his manager. Because I was thinking about the Angels. You know, the Angels have Mike Trout. And I don't... I look at this Angels team going into 2017. And I don't see it. I don't see a playoff team. I think they'll be maybe you know marginally better than what they were last year. But I, I don't think they're better than either team in Texas... You know, last year they went, where where the hell they, they they lost, uh, they they lost 88 games last year. 88 games. They won 98 games in 2014, and they lost 88 games in 2016. Uh, I don't think they're better than Texas, and I don't think they're better than Houston. I don't think they're better than Baltimore. You know, I don't think they're a playoff team. They have the best player in baseball, and I don't think they're a playoff team. Now, I don't know who to blame for this, except for the fact that, you know, they have Trout signed for a while. They don't have the team around them. You know, they spent, they were spending money like crazy drunken sailors for a while, but like crazy drunken sailors, they didn't make the best decisions with their money. They're stuck with a Pujols contract. Now, Pujols can still hit home runs and he can still be a threat at the plate, but you know, I mean, he's making, what, like $30 million a year, whatever the hell he is. I think you can get a decent first baseman for that right now. You know, they're going to be wasting the prime of Mike Trout, and, I, and I've said before that that's, that's maybe one of the reasons why he isn't so well-known and beloved. He's only played three playoff games his entire life. And, you know, some of it has to do with management. Some of it has to do with ownership. And I'm sure some of it has to do with... Who's running the team? And with the clashes between Mike Sosha and the GMs, the front offices on the team, it's very clear that this is Sosha's team. Mike Sosha is entering his 18th year as manager of the Angels. They were the Anaheim Angels when he started. They're now the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I think they should be the California Angels, but what the hell do I know? But this is going to be his 18th year. I want you to stop and think about what that means for a second. That's going to be longer than Sparky Anderson was manager of the Tigers. That's longer than Earl Weaver was manager of the Baltimore Orioles. When you go through the history of teams, he would be the longest tenured Cardinal manager ever, longest tenured Reds manager ever, longest tenured Phillies manager ever, longest tenured Red Sox manager ever, longest tenured tenured Indians Longest tenured Pirates, longest tenured White Sox, longest tenured San Francisco Giant—not New York Giant. No Yankee manager has ever been a, was ever held the job for seventeen years, and that includes, you know, Miller Huggins, and Joe McCarthy, and Joe Torre, and Casey Stengel. He'd be the longest tenured Rangers, Astros, Mets, Royals, Brewers. Mariners, Padres, uh, the Nationals Expos franchise, Marlins, Blue Jays, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Rays, most it's he's been the manager of the Angels longer than all those franchises ever had one person in charge. Now he's had a fine career as a manager. I was a big proponent of him being a potential Hall of Fame manager especially when you consider that he won a World Series. He's, taking his, he's won division titles in uh, 2004, 5, 7, 8, 9, and 14. He's done so with changing casts. He's done so with, a, with you know, total turnover of the roster. So there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for over 17 years, having a winning percentage of 541 and many, many trips to the postseason. This decade, and I'm starting the decade of 2010. But if you started 2011, he has one trip to the postseason, one. And that was in 1998. just no, 199 Jesus, 2014, when they won uh, 98 games and then got their butts kicked by the Royals. His legacy right now, from if you just went from 2000 to 2009 you would have looked at someone who was just almost every year in the postseason after going from 86 to 2002 with no trips to the postseason in Anaheim, that the Angels became a regular participant in the postseason, picking up a championship along the way. That is a decade of a tremendous amount of success in Orange County. And at one point, I thought when there was a lot of turmoil going on in, with the Dodgers, and there was unrest going on with the Angels, I really thought that the Dodgers were going to fire Don Mattingly and bring in Mike Sosha. And if that had happened, his entire tenure in Anaheim would have been that of a tremendous amount of success. But now this legacy of the greatness that he had in Anaheim in the 2000s, is a frustration of not adapting to the times and wasting the best talent of this generation. And I can't help but wonder if a change in Anaheim would be a smart thing to do. I, can't, I, I don't have someone lined up, but perhaps there is a mentality of he's been there for, you know, this will be year number 18, that maybe there's a time to turn the page. Listen to all those franchises that I listed. That, you know, with, with every one of them I listed, eventually there needed to be a change. Eventually there needed to be, do you know what? We need to have a new mindset here. We need to shake some things up. Now, is it that Socha has so much power with the team that that is no, not a possibility? That, that's I don't know the answer to that. But I do know the answer, that the Angels are probably going to miss the postseason in 2017. Which means another year of the prime of Mike Trout has been, I don't want to say wasted, but has been squandered. And And if I were Major League Baseball, I'd be furious that their biggest star isn't on the best stage because he's on a team that can't get out of its own way say, for one year. And sometimes when you think about Sparky Anderson, Earl Weaver, Joe McCarthy, Joe Torrey, all those teams that I just rattled off, that all those franchises at one point had a superstar manager, considered one of the best in the biz, and there was whether it was a mutual decision or a team decision or the manager's decision to just say, all right, it's time to move on. Look it. He's gonna be what fifty-eight years old. So it's not like he's a crumbling old man. And because of that, you know, if he manages deep into his sixties, then you can look up and say, God, these guys be the manager of the 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 angels for what, a quarter century? He's coming up, he's approaching that. He's already gonna be at eighteen. You know, if you were born the year that he started taking over the Angels, this year you're either going to college or you're, you're sending in your application. You know, there are players who are going to be drafted by the Angels this year who were, who were born after Sosha started managing the team. So, I mean, that's literally a new generation. Not even figuratively, an actual new generation. So perhaps when you have a star who will never have crossover because that's no longer the world we live in, but he should be the towering figure of the game, and he can't be if the team and the organization can't win. If all these things are together, maybe it's time to make a change. Maybe it's time to say, do you know what? We have to go in a new direction. We have a manager who is of a mentality of which, at a certain time, the way he managed and the mentality he had worked. Just look at the results in the 2000s. But as a new generation comes in, there may be a different way of doing things. And maybe that's why he may have to step aside this year. I don't know. It's tough to fire a guy who's been there for 17 years. But it's also tough to look up and say, man, Mike Trout, he's not gonna see a World Series in his prime, and he's a player that if my DP had said to me, no, I've never heard of Mike Trout, it wouldn't be as shocking as him not hearing about Steph Curry, because, well, that's the world of entertainment that we live in today. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, and everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kuliski. Looking at the world we live in now and, well, wondering if opportunities are being squandered. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 28th day of February 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.